Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Starting off the 2 o'clock hour here on Weston Walker. This is a scary beat that we come back to. Which one is this one you put in? That's Future. Uh, I served the bass. That beat is nasty, man. I remember the first time I heard that, I tossed my headphones across the room because I thought that beat was so nasty. But then you had to go back and get it so you could listen to the I rest did, of it. I did, man. When I heard that thing, because they played it like on a promo for the album when DS2 came out. Mm-hmm. And when it came on, the beat, the, the intro already sounded eerie. And then when that beat dropped, I just tossed it. I said, man, this dude is on another level. This beat sounds like what Michael Myers might come out to. Your boy. Your guy. Hood, Michael Myers. It sounds like it. <laughs> Michael Myers get the chain. It sounds like you and Michael Myers would come out to this song How if people were introing you. How ill would that be? Michael Myers had the chain with his face on it. I don't know how ill that would be. I've never thought about that. <laughs> Listen, that kind of that sounds like Michael Myers grunting. Yeah, yeah, when he's yeah. killing people. You don't mess up his chain though. And slashing. Yeah, that would be, be right. That's probably the worst thing you could do. Out of all the chain snatching you could do, Michael Myers yeah, might be the nah. one type of chain you don't want to snatch. Nah, Akeem Talib, he'd probably want those problems. He probably though. let you too, though. He probably let you. And then you run and you'd be a hundred yards down the block, and then he just. Turn around from the stop sign and be right there. Well, yeah, you. You, you turn around the corner and then you're looking past yeah. where you just came from, but he's already right beside you. Mm-hmm. And then it's over. It's a wrap. That's it, because that's your guy. Yeah, he's going to snatch you. You snatch his chain and he's going to snatch your soul. <laughs> I feel really weird talking about <laughs> Michael Myers. It's Wes yeah, Walker. Yeah, but that beats nasty. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in the garage door. Guru text line 704-570-9610. Oh, Jack wrote in DS2 is overrated. Well, that's his opinion. Everybody has them like um, what? Maybe ex- not. Exit areas on a body. Goodness gracious! I said exit. I thought that was pretty clean. I thought that was very PC for me to say that. I mean, I don't know how clean it is. Because there are a few exit areas on your body. A couple, <laughs> or a few actually. Okay. <laughs> How in the world did we get here? I This is so weird. Let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Football. You guys did not watch. You guys were watching the Hornets mostly, and then it was done for you, right? You didn't yeah. watch. Did you not watch the debacle from the New Orleans Saints last night? It was something to behold. It was one of the worst losses I've seen. So if you were to watch the New Orleans Saints, they had a, a what was it? I think it was a 13-point lead. And the Saints have the football And then they give the ball to Mark Ingram and he runs out on what could have been a first down conversion, but he decides to run out of bounds instead of extending the football past the first Mm -hmm. down marker or just actually taking a couple steps north up field. He runs out of bounds before he gets there, right? So then the third and one call that Saints team goes with is a slant inside. They throw it, but there's a great play by the Tampa Bay cornerback, deflects it. They Tampa Bay doesn't have to use a timeout, and all of a sudden, they have another shot to go tie this thing up. So then Tampa Bay, they score off of a bad, or not a bad call, it was a bad defensive pass interference penalty, and then Tampa Bay able to score at the end, right? Tom Brady throws the latest game-winning touchdown pass at the very end of this with about three seconds left to rookie running back Rashad White. But if you were wondering why you should be paying attention to that game, if you're a Carolina Panther fan... The Saints winning and just not having a royal screw-up, then the Carolina Panthers would have had a lot better shot to actually get to the postseason by winning the NFC South. But because New Orleans 
lost what was a game they had in the bag. It was done. If they made any smart, competent decision, New Orleans walks away with a victory. But Tampa Bay, and they're bad coaching too, by the way. Tampa Bay finds a way to get a victory, and now the ESPN Analytics site, if that's something you subscribe to, has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with an over 90% chance of reaching the playoffs in Carolina after that win Tampa Bay secured last night, a 4% chance. Mm. We talked about it earlier. Talked about it last week. What are the chances Carolina could actually get to the postseason? It really came down to this game. And you had to pull for the Saints because they were further down in the standings of that division. And you would still have to trust Tampa Bay more because they do have Tom Brady. You trust him more than Andy Dalton. But the Saints had it in the bag. And they screwed up. And because they did... That means Carolina probably isn't going to the postseason, Wes. It was a monumental loss for Carolina with their shot to actually compete for any type of playoff win this season. No doubt about it. I mean, had they have lost, had they had loss last night, then we'd be in here today talking about the Panthers' path to the playoffs. The game with them down the line in Tampa would be that much bigger. But now, as you said, with that win last night. Uh, and Carolina's got a tough game on Sunday, but with that win last night, Tampa Bay further distanced themselves. And so, you know, it just put the Panthers further in that spot of their season being pretty much close to done as far as making the postseason is concerned. So I don't know what the path is to winning the NFC South now. I mean, if you look at Carolina's schedule that they have, they'll be facing a couple of division foes later on in the season. In fact, you're talking about the last couple of games of the year. If you look at their schedule, the next few games they have, of course, Seattle this weekend at home against Pittsburgh and Detroit. And then it's on the road against Tampa Bay, January 1st. And then it's against New Orleans on the road, January 8th. So even with those wins, I, it just doesn't look like Carolina based off of what they've accomplished and not accomplished so far this year. I just don't really see the path all playing out all that much. Here's Steve Wilkes now talking about the message to this team as you start to enter the last five games of the schedule. The message is we still keep it one at a time. You know, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago when we finished that game, we have to go do something that we haven't done all all year, which is went on the road and have an opportunity to be able to win back-to-back games. So that's our focus this week. You know, Seattle's playing well. Uh, They're pushing for the playoffs. And if we want to be in that caliber, in that conversation, you know, we have to create that playoff mentality mindset. Going out there to play over the years, being in that division with Seattle and being here in Carolina, having these different battles uh, it's a very tough place to play you know it's loud in there so we've been talking about you know that mindset starting today that we're going to be able to uh, go out there and face that challenge so some people write in about Tampa Bay schedule and it's kind of hard at least the next two weeks and sure on the road against San Francisco that's their next opponent probably the best defense in the NFL and then they face Cincinnati the Bengals are rolling right now they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs by a field goal for the third straight time But then Tampa finishes up with a road game against Arizona, home game against Carolina, and then a road game against Atlanta. Tampa Bay, very good shot to win the last three games of the season. That's why it's probably a little too far-fetched to say that Carolina can come away with the NFC South at this point. Plus, Steve Wilkes is right, Wes. They haven't won on the road all season long. The four wins they have in totality, they all came at Bank of America Stadium. Plus, would you say Seattle is the hardest place to play in the NFL and what makes it so vicious to play in? Man, um, that's a great question. And I think, 
you know, when you look at some of the more historical places in the NFL, I think it depends on a given year. But I would say yes. I'm going to be definitive here. I would say yes. The 12s, you know, being a resident San Francisco 49er fan, uh, I've been witness to the loudness of that crowd for quite some time with the Niners playing a lot of big games there. And it's just they pack that place out, win, lose, or draw. They're so loud. The way that stadium is built sonically is just built to be a hard place to play in. It's so loud. So, yeah, I would say that. And that's going to play a huge factor uh, in this game. When you look at this Seattle defense, uh, you know, what they bring, if they are able to uh, stifle that Panthers running game early, put them in some tough spots and make Sam Donald have to earn it and make – him have to win this game I think that's going to be very interesting because the communication is so much different in there uh, I think that the you know it's just a very hard place to place so I say a long-winded answer to tell you yes well, Seattle's in my opinion is the hardest place to play Seattle is really tough I know people will say arrowhead too and if you yes. look at it the next game after Seattle will be at home but it's against the Pittsburgh Steelers if there is a fan base out there in the world that makes your home game sometimes feel like a road game with the amount of fans in the stands. It's all of the people with the terrible towels in their seats. Pittsburgh travels better than any other fan base. And we know that Carolina has been extremely susceptible to seeing the opposing fans in Bank of America Stadium. I mean, it's a perfect storm when you discuss that with Carolina playing at Bank of America and having Pittsburgh fans come in. So they're going to have to be the home field advantage for Carolina in that game. I don't know how much of that is going to come from the fans rather than it just come from the comfort of your own bed, you know, not having to travel, right? That's going to be the home field advantage. Not so much people cheering for you a whole lot more than who's going to be cheering for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game. Yeah, no doubt. And we know that the, the, the reputation of this team here, especially when they play some of the flagship teams in the NFL, they tend to take over the stadium, but just going back to the Seattle game, you know, this defense is not great by any stretch of the imagination when you talk about points and yards allowed, but they do get turnovers, and they're one of the top teams in the NFL in turnover differentials. So that would be the key for the Panthers, I feel like, is for them not to uh, turn the football over and for them to make plays against a not-so-great Seattle defense because that's the way. It's obvious, but that's the way you're going to keep that crowd quiet. So when you look at the rest of the NFC, if we just take a macro view of the NFL, and Fiddy, we'll get you in on this because you're actually pulling for a team that could win the Super Bowl in the Dallas Cowboys. And I know a lot of Panthers fans don't want to hear that. Hell, we might have a co-host here in West Bryan that doesn't want to hear that. But I do <laughs> believe that the Dallas Cowboys are you talented do. enough. When you talk about the NFC, the best team in that conference, it's been Tampa Bay before. I don't see that this year based off the large amount of sample that we have with Tampa not being good, even with Tom Brady at the QB spot. But it goes to Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco a little bit without Jimmy G. Fiddy, do you think your boys are the best team in the NFC when fully healthy? I think when they play to their level, like you saw in the fourth quarter on Sunday night, they're the best team right now in the NFC. What 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 Jalen Hurts and and what the Eagles are doing right now is nothing short of impressive. But there's going to be a lot of questions about a second-year head coach with a second-round quarterback. When they get into now December and into January, will they be able to execute at the same level they have for the first three years? If Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have gotten hurt, 
you could have really sold me on San Francisco molding into the best team in the conference. I have no trust in a in a third string quarterback or if they pick up Baker Mayfield off the bench for that team to make any sort of significant noise in the postseason. So I do think, yeah, when, when Dallas plays the way that they, they have played at certain times this year, they beat Minnesota on the road by 40. When they play like that, I think they are the best team in the NFC. It's always really tough for me looking at Philadelphia and Dallas because I think both of those teams are probably the best on paper. The defense is amazing for Dallas and San Francisco. It's just the quarterback, but yeah, like I, I trust Kyle Shanahan and their roster is extremely talented too. Their defense is amazing. Jalen hurts has been awesome this year. Dak Prescott has given us a longer track record of good football. I think I still go Philadelphia. I, I trust Dak a lot, but I I'll go Philadelphia with the best team in the NFC. I think defensively they're extremely good. Sometimes they're a little susceptible to stopping the run, but I think they did a good job of kind of replacing and Dominican Sue comes in and looked pretty good stopping the run in place of Jordan Travis or Jordan Davis, excuse me, coming out of Georgia and being awesome immediately. Where do you put San Francisco post Jimmy Garoppolo in the mix of best teams in the <laughs> NFC? Well, you know, I've been going around touting us as being the 1990s Giants, as we're going to have a quarterback back up, come out of nowhere, and win the Super Bowl. Okay, so I don't know. I got to see more Purdy, though, before I can feel like that the Niners can still make a run because I don't feel like it's out of question. It just depends on how he plays. I think the roster is that talented when you talk about all the weapons around him offensively and defensively. Uh, I feel like the 49ers still have a little bit more, but I need to see more of Purdy first. But he played really well against a good uh, Miami Dolphins team. But uh, I think that, you know, you look at the – Top suspects in the NFC. Philadelphia is great because they're very explosive offensively. They take care of the football. They lead the league in point differential. So you have to give them credit for these boys. The Cowboys as well. They take care of the football. They're plus nine and turnover differential. And they can be as explosive as anybody. When you talk about what they did to the next team you look at, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they went in and annihilated them. So Dallas is capable at any time of just going off. But I put the 49ers probably right uh, right up under those those three teams. But I think that if Purdy plays good football and doesn't lose the game, they can play with any of those teams. I don't trust Jalen Hurts in the postseason. So, so if, if it's the NFC Championship, San Francisco finds themselves in the NFC Championship. If they get there, they win. you don't want? I don't, don't care. I don't care. That's how the 49ers. What's the easier path? Just it, it don't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Thank you. Um, Minnesota. <laughs> Thank you very no, much. No, because the 49ers are anytime, any place type of team. We've seen them go into tough environments and beat teams, whether it be Fitties, Cowboys, and that weak stadium they play in, or whether it's on the road at Green Bay. The 49ers are anytime, any place but team. That's why I fear no Super team. Bowl. They've lost before. I, so who we made it to two. Get and right. lost both. Well, well, yeah, we no, lost with, both. with this iteration of the squad, not Colin yes. Kaepernick and Jim okay. Harbaugh. All I'm right. just talking about the Shanahan squad. Yeah, I fear nobody. All right. That's how we feel in the Bay. I did want to mention one other stat before we <laughs> move on, before Wes just decided to go full homer with the 49ers. When you look at Minnesota, it's act, I mean, their point differential, they're 10-2 and two on the season. Mm -hmm. And Minnesota's point differential, with 10 wins out of their 12 games, is only plus 10. I know a lot of heavy lifting was done with the Dallas Cowboys just destroying them in the game that they played, but is that not crazy to yeah. only have a plus 10 point differential? You're averaging one point per win. You're getting by, getting by on the hairs on your chinny that, chin chin. That's why I'm not really scared of Minnesota. Yeah. Kirk Cousins scares me the least amount of Jalen Hurts, 
of Dak Prescott. And then when you're talking about passing defense, Minnesota's pass defense has not been good this year. Right, so you tell me why I should be, as a 49er fan, a fate of Dallas, a team that they went into Texas Stadium and beat last year. I still call it Texas Stadium. And in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, he couldn't win a national championship with Alabama's talent. We saw him choke in the postseason last year. We saw him choke in the postseason last year. I know he was young, but I don't trust Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. Well, that's fine. So I I fear none of these teams. And you don't don't care about Geno Smith because last decade, I don't fear any. He wasn't very good. All right, there you go. We're, we're going to live back in 2010 and judge these guys in 2016 <laughs> because Jalen Hurts couldn't win. I think win. your traits from college carry over to the pros. I'm just asking what's the easier path, but you couldn't do it, Wes. Easier path is for the Niners just to show up and put the pads on. That's All right. the easiest path. It's Wes I'm talking big. Yeah, you are. You're really talking big, <laughs> and you're just saying, screw it. I'm going to give you all of this San Francisco 49er homerism. We're going to yeah. go to some more college football talk and a little bit um, we'll discuss some of the transfer portal stuff. Also, we have some inside info, some sources for yeah, one West Bryant. We're going to get to regarding the Clemson quarterback situation. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Couple more segments of Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kyle Bailey coming up right after this. He'll be taking you until 6 p.m. Smoke Ludwig going to be alongside him. Just came in and talked about the Giannis soundbite. Could play that a little bit. He's talking about what he's going to do on his 28th birthday. Kind of interesting. I would imagine Fiddy would be interested in that. It's <laughs> why? why? Why is it whenever something that is provocative is talked about? I don't know, Fiddy. You just automatically assume. I'm not the only provocative person that works here. Um, okay. You really want to you you want to dig deep here? Yeah. Is this the one? Yeah. Because you're absolutely the guy that I think of anytime something like this might pop up. It is 100%. a continued personal attack on my character, and I don't like it. I feel disrespected. Notice how you didn't call it a lie. You just felt like it's disrespectful for bringing it to the airwaves. It's I mean, not a lie. I mean, there are other men in this same building that work in this same studio that have the same provocative thoughts that I have. So you just admitted it. What? <laughs> the same ones that you have. You just admitted it. Thank yeah, you. but you make it like I'm the only one who thinks like that or talks like that. There are other degenerates like myself. Giannis. No, here. Giannis Antetokounmpo. He also talks like that. Fiddy's going crazy. 704-570-9610. You can text us via the Garage Door Guru text line if you want to. Let's go to Wes. We'll get to you on the honest comments, Fiddy, because that's your specialty. But we'll go to Wes a little bit more because he has sources on the Clemson quarterback situation. You spent the ACC championship game talking with Andrea Adelson. You saw her over at the championship game. You were mm-hmm. speaking with some of the players, Trent mm-hmm. Simpson, some other guys there as well. And you said you got some inside info on the decision to stick with DJU for quite a while. His decision to come over there for Clemson or explain some of the things you heard about Clemson. Well, as I was sitting there eating my snack of uh, Bojangles Chicken Supremes and uh, <laughs> I heard a conversation going on next to me with a couple of Clemson guys. Uh, you know, I'm not going to reveal my sources, but uh, <laughs> I heard them talking about how DJU's coach had come to Dabo, I think it was this past offseason, and had asked him to change the offense to be more suited towards what DJ did in high school. And they said that Dabo agreed to it, but then never did make those changes. So then 
Uh, that got me very interested. This is what I heard while I was eavesdropping. Then I decided I asked, could I join in on the conversation because I found it fascinating. And then I said, well, I said, why did he come there? Because they were saying that the offense is more suited towards Cade Klevnik's strengths and not DJ's. And so I asked them because apparently DJ is more of a West Coast offense type of guy, things like that. And so I asked them, I said, well, why did he come there in the first place if he knew that was going to be the case? And they said, well, you know, when you're a five-star guy and the caliber that he was, you know, you would think that the coaches will put, you know, in things that you're comfortable with because they said that his high school coach told Davo and, and crew that, listen, he's not going to be successful in this offense that you have him running. He's not going to be as efficient of a passer as he can be in this type of offense. And so I found that to be fascinating because, you know, when we had Sam Farber on, he didn't hesitate to say that DJ was the most talented quarterback that he had seen during his time calling games. And so that's why I was just like, man. And then we talked about yesterday how we thought that I thought that he was going to be next in line to carry the torch as the next generational prospect. And so to hear that, that kind of made a lot of sense to me, not making total excuses for him. But uh, they did say that his coach came to him and told him, like, look, you know, he's not going to be successful in his offense or as successful as he can be. And you need to change some things to be more suited towards him. So DJU is going to enter the transfer portal, already has. He's going to play college football for a different team this next season. Do you expect him to be better and to make that choice of going to an offense that better suits him? I think he can be, yes. I think if he goes, you know, they said that, a lot could depend on where his brother ends up committing because his brother, I believe, is a five-star defensive end. And they said a lot could be made there as far as where he goes, where his brother goes. And so I think if he does go to an offense that maybe runs that West Coast style, that's maybe a little bit more suited to what he wants to do. Because you heard Angie say it, like they don't get to the ACC championship game without him. And just, you know, how at times this year he played really well. He was number one on my power rankings for a few weeks. So, you know, I think that he's capable. Uh, it's just... You know, we'll see. But I, I, to be definitive, I think he will go somewhere and be a quality starter if he goes somewhere that's more suited towards his game. So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Andrea about some of the ACC decisions and mm -hmm. not necessarily whether they're surprising or not. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what the most consequential decision is. Devin Leary is leaving NC State, not going to be playing with the Wolfpack next year. No longer is DJU going to be starting quarterback. That's probably the least consequential because they're going to go to Cade Klubnik anyway. Right. And you're not going to go back to DJU if Cade struggles. That's just not going to happen. So Cade Klubnik, I don't think anybody expects him to struggle a crazy amount. So that's the least one. Jordan Travis returning to Florida State. Pretty big, right? Florida State had a good year this season, and they're going to get their starting quarterback returning to Mike Norvell's offense. Is it one of those guys or is it somebody else that you kind of look at, Brendan Armstrong, another QB, where you say, okay, that's the most interesting decision and that's going to have the biggest impact on the team he's leaving or the team maybe he's returning to? I think the most interesting I thought was um, Devin Leary because I just didn't see him to me. I thought he had put in enough equity there that he was not going to leave NC State, and I thought he would give it one more go, if not go to the NFL. So I think I was very surprised by that. But you saw what MJ Morris did and some of the flashes that he showed. So I feel like NC State may feel like they're in good hands if MJ Morris continues to develop. Uh, I also think you look at, uh, I think one is a little bit slept on. Well, no, 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 Emmett Moorhead, I think, could be a good player. But I would say him and then Brennan Armstrong, because it's like, where does Virginia go from here? They have a lot to build on. 
uh, in the next coming seasons because that offensive line was as bad as it gets. They still haven't. Virginia hasn't had a running back since Lord knows when. I can't think of the last big-time running back. <laughs> Kevin Parks. Okay, yeah. Kevin Parks. The yeah, last big-time well, running back that Virginia's had, they had receivers. Uh, but as far as Brendan Armstrong leaving there, he's pretty much starting from scratch there. Uh, when you talk about next season for the Virginia Cavaliers. Well, one North Carolina transfer is Tony Grimes. And Tony Grimes came in as a huge prospect. We saw him play in that bowl game against Texas A&M. And he was very good. While North Carolina did lose that contest, we did see the potential from cornerback Tony Grimes, who also has entered the transfer portal. Fiddy, we'll go to you. How big of a deal is that for North Carolina? How consequential is it that he's going to leave that program? Not very big because the guy's a bona fide bomb. He's a loser. <laughs> he came yeah. in one of the highest rated recruits in the history of Tar Heel football. And the guy was a complete and total failure. He was a bust. And I, do I think it was all his fault? No. First off, he's got poor coaching from Dre Bly. Dre Bly is not a power five position coach. He's mm. proven that in, in the four years he's been on Mac Brown's staff. But this is a guy that was who cared more about talking than playing. He got into an argument with Noah Taylor during the Notre Dame game because he kept on getting his ass kicked, and he eventually got slapped in the face. That didn't get him corrected, and you know it, it, he's part of the cultural problem that exists on Carolina's defense, where dudes were celebrating tackles after giving up five yards as if that was a positive play. I'm so glad this guy's getting out of our program. He's toxic. He's overrated, and between him and his dad, they were just a problem for not just the the the, the players, but the coaching staff and the fan base as a whole. I mean, that is Fitty just going straight in strong. on these kids. That it doesn't strong. matter, man. His dad. What about his mom, Fitty? Is it, <laughs> does his mom need to leave the program too? His just mom get away? wasn't on Twitter bitching about the coaching. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, she's cool. It's hilarious though, as you just bitched about the coaching that is Dre Bly, but they can't do it, but you can, and you are doing the same stuff. I'm just asking, you know, some of the some of the inconsistencies here. Look, I'm, I'm not a player though. Like I'm a fan. Gotcha. Like, 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 like when it's you and your dad doing it. You become a distraction. As much as I want to believe people give a damn about what I got to say, most people don't. So I can rant and tweet and, 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 and complain. No one cares. But when it's players and, and, and their coaches or, or his dad doing it, it becomes a distraction. And it, it will start to become a toxic problem for Carolina. What, what kind of problems is North Carolina going to experience because of some of these guys that have entered the transfer portal? Is there one that you look at and say, man, I really wish you would have stayed? There, to be honest, like losing Ra Ra Dilworth hurts the most. This was a guy that I thought was going to break out this year because I did not see Cedric Gray having the type of year he had where he's one of the the, the nation's leading tacklers in all of the Power Five. Outside of that, they lost 10 guys total. And I don't really see one that is really consequential because most of our defensive players aren't very good. And a lot of them are two or three deep guys who couldn't get on the field on a very bad defense. Um, uh, uh, until an offensive player puts his name in the portal, I'm not really concerned about, about what Carolina is losing. They could stand to upgrade and get better players via the portal as opposed to the ones that are leaving the portal. Okay, I do have this question. Has there ever been a college football team, let alone just one unit, a side of the football that had better names than North Carolina defense this year. <laughs> Here are some of the names. Cameron Kelly. Yeah. Legend Cavazos. Ra-Ra. Power Eccles. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Has there ever been a unit 
that has had better names ever. I expect all those guys to be first team all Americans. And so I think that alone is the biggest indictment on that coaching staff is that you couldn't get Cameron to ball out, that you couldn't get legend to play like a legend that you can do the whole rah, rah Carolina thing with rah, rah himself being on that damn team. I love power you. play with power. It, pa- power. Yeah. Power was good. Power. Power is the guy that's probably the best player on that defense, right? Him and Cedric, it's a yeah. toss-up. And, and he was very good this year, but it's it's those two guys. And so I'm just surprised that it didn't it, – it's the fact that they got better, but not enough to matter. They got to find some guys on that D-line, man. Yeah. That's what it's going to come down to. You got to find some guys, especially on that interior. So 13,000 FBS players in college football. Mm. Over 1,000 are in the transfer portal. What do you make of those numbers? 13,000, 1,000 in the transfer portal, Wes. Is there, do you want to fix it? Does it need to be fixed? If so, how do you do it? What are your thoughts about the transfer portal right now? I do like the free agency type of feel that this has gotten to where now you just are on the lookout every second, especially if you're a college football junkie. This just continues the offseason never ends type of deal where it's just something all the time that you have to keep your focus to. I think one thing that kids are going to start to find out as they keep doing this is some kids are, are going to find out that they are overvaluing themselves. You know how I talked about how important they think they are when they have to post everything that they do. And there's going to be some sad puppies. There's going to have to go to some FCS and maybe some D2 schools when they figure out that nobody wants them. I think uh, I forget it was a crazy number. My friend texted me yesterday and told me that there were an absurd amount of uh, defensive backs, they said it's like, it's nuts. They said it's like 400-plus defensive backs and like 250 quarterbacks in the transfer portal alone. There's only 100-plus, 100-some-odd D1 programs. So everybody's not going to make it. Right. <laughs> like everybody's not going to make it. So I think that's one thing. Some of these kids are going to find out the hard way. They're not, they are not as, as talented as they think they are. So NIL, transfer portal, it's the new age of college athletics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of old heads had big old problems with both of them. Mm-hmm. I am not one of those said old heads. I have no problem with the transfer portal. If you want to try to fix it, fine. But the most important thing here is that the kids do get to make that decision themselves, which had otherwise it had not, they had not been allowed to where you're actually taking away some of their rights as a student because people are quick to say they're student athletes when other students on campus could have different freedoms that these college football players, these college athletes could not. And that also includes name, image, and likeness. Mm -hmm. If you had any type of business based off what you were doing, but you didn't play a sport, you were good. It doesn't matter that you were a student. But as soon as you made the field hockey team, you weren't allowed to do that anymore. As soon as you made the football team, you couldn't profit off of your name, image, or likeness anymore. I'm happy that NIL exists. I'm happy that the transfer portal exists to the point where you don't have to have this rule. You have to sit out a year, and then you're only allowed to play the year after that because that's also not the standard that coaches were held to. And so many times, you would see coaches use different jobs as a short-term play in order to parlay that into a huge job the following season, get paid as much as anybody in the state for it, and then they could go about that service the following year when college athletes wouldn't be getting paid that much and also they had to sit out a year. So I think, look, Deion Sanders is the latest example of that. Coming in and selling this higher dream of playing for an HBCU 
and then eventually taking the money from Colorado and moving on after selling that said dream to all the kids that decided to go to Jackson State. So when you talk about that, now those kids get a chance to transfer. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you stop tampering. I don't know how you stop teammates from wanting to play with one another or guys recruiting other teammates, right? I mean, I go to Grant DeBose where the story is that Grant DeBose went to the Charlotte 49ers program because James Foster was a guy that decided to come here and play for Will Healy, and he helped go get Grant DeBose. I don't know if that's a problem. I don't know how you stop it. What say you on some of the tampering rules that might exist? Is there any way to legislate that? Well, for one, tampering is the new bag man. Right. Okay, that's what the bag man used to be. Now these are guys who there's no way you're going to be able to stop this. And I also heard that Riley Leonard put a proposition to the Blue Devils that they have a time limit to get that bag up or else it's going to be hasta la vista. You're telling me the best quarterback in the ACC yes. doesn't want to build a football power <laughs> at Duke? Well, he, heard, he heard Wes Brown, uh, Bryant's power rankings That's and decided right. he needed to go to Alabama. That's right. He said, yeah. Um, I'm not surprised by that at all. I knew that was coming. And that's the new that Riley Leonard is transferring, or or, or, or gave, that's gave a possibility, yeah, 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 because that's now you talk about the new age of college football. That's what you have to worry about, unless you are Georgia, Bama, Clemson, some of these schools. If you are a school like Duke and you have a Duke or Northwestern or some of these underdog programs, and you have a great season and you have a great quarterback or some great skill guys or whatever the case may be, that's a part of said great season. You have to worry about them getting poached. Your your program is going to become a minor league for the bigger teams now. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a kid like Riley Leonard, they see what he's doing at Duke. You know, the Sabins and the Lincoln Rileys and all those guys in the world say, well, he's doing that with them. Imagine what he can do with us. Get that man a bag and get him over here. You know what I'm saying? And that's the world that we live in now. Uh, before you flash us for a last time here, Fiddy, I know you wanted <laughs> to have. I know you wanted to have some thoughts too on this transfer portal thing. I know we were talking about it pre-show. Strong. Yeah, I mean, I I just feel like it's something that as a as a college sports fan, this would probably turn me off more than NIL because I do think players should be allowed to profit off their name, image, and likeness. We were kind of talking about this with KB before we came in to do the show. How do you regulate it? Yeah, I don't because know. because there is tampering that's going on. But I think the problem is is Wes was alluding to the bag man. But I think the tampering that you see with kids being recruited, it's not by coaching staffs. It's by players because they meet and they form these relationships. Like you see in the NBA where they want to go play with their former buddies and stuff. It's like Jesus Shuttlesworth visiting the Tech campus. Chick's going to take us all the way to the championship this year, right? Mm. It's the players that are going after some of these other guys, and it makes sense. I don't know how you legislate friends from hanging out and saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we played with one another on this college football team? Okay, let's make it happen. I don't know how you stop that. Yeah, so it just feels like this was why every coach in America had a problem when the portal got instituted and there were no guidelines, no bylaws that the NCAA had formally adopted. It's just it's becoming more and more clear in the new era of college athletics, college football in particular, and you could even argue college basketball. These sports need commissioners to help regulate and govern the way these sports run. Which only goes to show it's a full-blown business. As soon as you get a commissioner in one of these things, then you know it's a full-blown business. It's what it is right now. And the sooner we realize it, which we already kind of have, mm-hmm. then it, the better. All right, let's get to the last flash of the day. What you got, Fiddy? Flasher. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to keep on uh, asking, and one day I'm going to be in here shirtless. I'm sure you will. I don't <laughs> um, doubt it. Let's go to the World Cup where we had a, let's call it a 15 over a 2C type of upset over there in Qatar as Morocco on penalty kicks. They knocked Spain out of the World Cup, and right now on your screen here in the studio, you're probably seeing Portugal with a 2-0 lead over Switzerland. This comes as a result after the after Portugal benched Cristiano Ronaldo. He is not starting today for Portugal, but uh, we had a massive upset. And what is becoming, as Willie P told us on Friday, people were considering the best group stage in the modern era of the World Cup. Maybe this is becoming the best modern World Cup we've had in quite some time. Um, with all the upsets and the like we've seen so far. Stanford P is distracting me by some of his disturbing text messages about Fiddy's body, but I am going to try to keep it here <laughs> on the Fiddy Flash. Yeah, it has been an extremely fun World Cup, and you talk about the 15 over the twos. I know when, what, what who did Iran beat in group play when it was a huge upset? I forget who that, I think it was England, right? Was it England they beat? I forget. Either way, it was kind of viewed as a 16 over one type upset. Virginia and you NBC, if you wanted to go with that example. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching the World Cup as it's uh, kind of taking place this year. I know, man. I just wish it had been during the summer. It's so hard to keep up with everything with so many different sports going on, especially football. But, yeah, everything that's been going on has been insane. All right, let's go uh, a little bit more to what happened on this day in sports history and talk about what's on tap later on. The last segment, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Last week, Wes Bryant could not stop talking about the Wagyu beef burger from Arby's. And I feel like I also had a sandwich that I really wanted to try and knock off the bucket list. It's the black and chicken sandwich at Popeye's. And I've made my decision. I'm going there right after the show. It's happening. Okay. Because you never did did give us a rundown on what happened with the Wagyu beef burger. Was it fire? Was it physical? Well, I put in a text message. I put it followed by three emojis that I had tried the Wagyu beef burger. Now, I... You know, got it up in um, up in Concord at the Arby's uh, over there, and I felt like the patty was a little bit overcooked because I'm sure those country bumpkins probably never cooked Wagyu beef before. But okay. <laughs> it's just some Arby's workers the in Concord stuff I catching say to get a laugh out of uh, Fiddy. I knew he would crack up at that, but yeah, no, it was really good though, man. It, it was out. The guy who wrote in and said it was trash, I knew that was going to be hard because Arby's doesn't make trash food for one. But yeah, man, it had a good flavor. The sauce that they put on there was really good. Like I said, it, it was really tasty along with the curly fries. So I highly recommend that Wagyu burger that I, the I Country would, Bumpkins made me. Yeah, because Arby's is not known for the burgers, but it does sound like it would be good. Yeah, I trust man. what Arby's, Arby's is going to make. Arby's doesn't miss, man. They, they, they make pretty so. good. Yeah. Do they, you feel like Arby's is good, Fiddies? I mean, we caught hell on the text line for saying that the other day. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just not a place that I frequent, you know? I like, agree with I, that. I don't sure. know. I got into a massive disagreement with the Hogfather because he doesn't like their curly fries. Oh, they're so good, though. Oh, God. How do you not like that? Which is one of the worst takes I've ever heard come out of his mouth. Yeah. They, I think they have a very diverse menu. Like, their roast beef, of course, is the signature. I think their brisket sandwich is really good. 
Uh, their sliders are really good. They got a really good hot chicken sandwich. Oh, hold on now. Their chicken tenders are as good as anybody's. Not quite as good it. as Chicken Supremes, but Arby's chicken tenders are great. Yeah, the Greek gyro is amazing. Somebody wrote in. Whoa, woo what woo. did you call it? It's it's gyro. You say no, gyro. No, no that's, gyro. that's not how you said it. Yeah, gyro. It's you Greek put a gyro. G in that one. No, it's Greek gyro is what I said. I did not put a G in there. Yeah, you did. And you, you I heard gyro. Yeah, that's what I that's what I said. Nah, I thought I heard a G. I no. got a few G. When I was a kid, I used to call them gyros. Well, of course. Yeah. That's what I call them. Yeah, I still I call them gyros. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a promo right there. No, all right, let's visit what's on tap. What's on tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks dash club. Slim Pickens tonight if you're an nba fan there is a good game there lakers are playing a lot better you do have lebron james going back to cleveland cavaliers donovan mitchell and company they'll be hosting the lakers so that's a good one 7:30 tip on tnt but duke basketball they'll be playing in the jimmy v classic tonight they'll be taking on the iowa hawkeyes duke not necessarily going through the problems that north carolina basketball is what do you expect from that matchup tonight oh i was gonna say i think duke should handle business i mean i think they'll be iowa um i'm not well versed on iowa but i also said man we got to start showing the hurricanes some love man they play tonight they play the ducks we watch the canes in my house we haven't been watching them as much do you watch hockey season. i People don't watch, watch hockey yeah, we watched, yeah yeah me and my my mom and, and my son, we definitely are. Uh, we dubbed ourselves Black Caniacs. So uh, okay, you you don't watch America's Pastime. Yeah, I don't want to watch a game that's gonna have me uh, snoring by the fourth inning. But you know, I do enjoy the the Hurricanes. I, I went to a game there before, and I love the atmosphere. But Hockey yes, I definitely too. like the Canes. Attending hockey games is a lot of fun. Hockey uh, is very boring expensive. and lame yeah. and irrelevant. How is it boring? It's not it's boring. It's very fast-paced, especially when you go to it live. Hockey is a lot of fun live. Dude, nobody. But you want to sit there? A checkers game? You want to sit there and wait thirty minutes to get four pitches thrown, and you're sitting there snoozing trying to stay up. If you understood the <laughs> mental aspect of how hard baseball is. No, I like is. baseball. I'm just messing with you. Oh, I like baseball. I'm, I'm not going to act like that. I, I mean, just want to give you a hard time. It, it's a hard sell. But we do com- need to start showing love to the king. Uh, that's fine. I'll give love to the Canes. I don't watch them nearly as much. I try to get on board when they're doing the whole postseason thing because they've been very good. And I was doing some updates and I would try to make sure that I was paying attention to the Hurricanes. But I couldn't necessarily get on board and just constantly be a hockey fan. Just wasn't It's expensive on board as much. to go, though. I'll tell you that. It ain't cheap to go see the Canes play. Oh, but the Charlotte Checkers game, when you're talking about Thirsty Thursdays, Dollar Beer Night. Yeah. No, ain't none of that going on up in Raleigh. But you got to have some Skrilla to go see the Canes. Every day is Thirsty Thursday at my book and apparently sugar mornings with those <laughs> pop tarts and i don't know if he's getting any sugar in the mornings all right when you Maybe that breakfast alone i'm just thinking about the sugar <sighs> and the pop tarts toast shooters and the soda you probably getting about 200 percent of your daily intake I want, of sugar I, I in want, one meal i wanted to mention earlier in the show that for those keeping count at home he did open the pack of pop tarts that flounder left here earlier took a bite didn't like them but he was about to if he liked those pop tarts he was about they were to going down two more to the mix yeah he was about to eat a couple more pop tarts that was what was about to happen it's and popping dog it is popping <laughs> and fitty is flashing and we're about to end so it we'll be popping that needle in there for the diabetes yeah, yeah clear that's what we're doing for fitty all right what happened on this day in sports history before we hand it off it's a good thing we're running late because i only have one thing of note in all on this day in sports history, and that was on this day in 1961. The 27th Heisman Trophy Award was handed out 
to Ernie Davis, the Syracuse halfback, making him the first African-American to win the most prestigious award in college athletics. Shout out to Ernie Davis. Well, there you go. You can't ask the question. It was a black it. man playing. We, we documented it, and he won the damn Heisman. He That'll do it for Wesson Walker <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show, of course, with Smoke <laughs> Ludwig in the house.